what's the most watched movie of all time and therefore mathematically the most traumatizing? Follow the yellow brick road. Follow the yellow brick road. On this episode, we will discuss the granddaddy of all nightmare-inducing films, 1939's The Wizard of Oz. Is it as scary as you remember, or even scarier? Welcome to Childhood Fears Revisited. Welcome to Childhood Fears Revisited, the podcast where we look under the bed. I'm your host, Patrick. Hey, and I'm Kat. And we're here to talk about the things that go bump in the night. This week, we will be discussing the 1939 MGM classic, The Wizard of Oz. This is a movie that everybody has seen. Probably several times, most people. The Wizard of Oz, of course, stars Judy Garland as Dorothy, Frank Morgan as the wizard, Ray Bulger as the Scarecrow, Burt Lahr as the Cowardly Lion, Jack Haley as the Tin Man, Billy Burke as Glinda, and the star of our show, Margaret Hamilton as the Wicked Witch of the West. The Wizard of Oz was a moderate success upon its release, but wasn't really considered a classic early on. It wasn't really until it hit television in 1956 that it entered the popular culture. According to the Library of Congress, it is the single most watched movie in history, and it has traumatized children throughout the generations. So, Kat, what do you think makes The Wizard of Oz a scary movie for children? Well, there's a lot of things that come to mind. I know that uh, in just in conversation, water cooler kind of conversations, a lot of people mention the monkeys to me, the flying monkeys. Uh, the Wicked Witch of the West was just an iconic villain. Um, for me, the scariest, I think the scariest part really was right in the beginning, the opening, when we saw the house smashed onto a, a being, the, the, the Witch of the East, and, and that, that vision of the red and white striped socks, right, with the shoes where the toes curled up. <laughs> Just that in itself and never seeing the entity connected to those legs was very ominous. Yeah. So there are many, many horror elements in this movie. And when you watch it through that prism, it really pops out to you that this is really a horror movie dressed up as a children's fable the most iconic of them all is the Wicked Witch of the West. Maybe other than Darth Vader, the single most iconic movie villain since the creation of film. She was played by Margaret Hamilton, Cleveland born and raised. I actually found a clip of Margaret Hamilton and what her opinion was of the Wicked Witch. So take a listen. She has lots of things about her. I, I've always felt that uh, sometimes the children feel that she's a very mean witch, and I expect she does seen that way but i always think that there are two things about her she does enjoy everything that she does mm -hmm. whether it's good or bad she enjoys it but she also is what we sometimes refer to as frustrated she's 
She's very unhappy because she never gets what she wants, mm. Mr. Rogers. You know, most of us get something along the line, but as far as we know, that witch just never got what she wanted. We, and mainly, she wanted those, those ruby slippers because she had lots of power and she wanted more power. Yes. And I just think that uh, sometimes we think she's just mean and a, a very bad person, but actually you have to think about uh, her point of view, that it wasn't as, as happy a, a time as she wanted it to be because she just never got what she wanted. That is Margaret Hamilton's vision of the Wicked Witch of the West, uh, a sympathetic vision by the actress who played her. Margaret Hamilton herself was just about as far away from the Wicked Witch of the West as you could imagine. As she got older, she did PSAs for animal welfare, for children's welfare, uh, and she spent a lot of time, including that clip from Mr. Rogers, trying to rehabilitate her image. Though, recent news, there had been for many, many years a rumored episode of Sesame Street that she appeared in, I believe in 1975, where she actually recreated the character of the Wicked Witch of the West and kind of stalks Sesame Street. And if anybody gets a chance to watch it, uh, it's now online. It just dropped online about three weeks ago. And it's not scary at all. It's just Margaret Hamilton having fun playing the Wicked Witch of the West, interacting with the Muppets, except because the Wicked Witch of the West is such an iconic villain and has scared so many over so many years, that episode only ever aired once. PBS affiliates got so many phone calls and letters from parents saying that episode had scared their children. A lot of Christians called in complaining about the depiction of witchcraft, which just goes to show witchcraft or fear thereof continues to be a, an issue in the 20th and 21st century. So it wasn't until this most recent leak of the video that the public got to see her later version of the Wicked Witch of the West. And they do nothing to rehabilitate her image in there, the writers of Sesame no, Street. I mean, no. it's just... She's just the Wicked Witch of the West. But, but you know, Oscar has the hots for her, which of course he would. Yeah. Right? <laughs> he falls hard. Yeah, she, she checks all of the boxes for Oscar. Uh, first of all, she's green. Which I'm not saying that that should matter, but you know maybe it does for Oscar. We don't we don't know what his tolerance levels are. Phenotypes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So she's green. She's cranky. So mm -hmm. he, I believe his comment to her is, "You're the most beautiful woman I've ever seen." Uh, very on brand nice. for Oscar the Grouch. So love that. Let's talk a little bit about witches now. Unbeknownst to me, when we decided to discuss this subject, you actually have some intimate knowledge of this topic. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've done a real deep dive on actual witches throughout history and how society has, has reacted and dealt to the idea of witches, the characterization, the malignment, the, the persecution, the false accusations. Um, my book is called the Dekuli Witch Chronicles, and it's historical fiction that traces a line of witches through uh, major moments in history, beginning with Queen Elizabeth, and takes very real moments through science, etc., and, um, and takes these generations of women who each represent some imbuing of the concept of the witch, whether they be women of, of letters, 
in a time when that was frowned upon or medicine or perhaps actually possessing some sort of mystical power. It's it's just looking at the whole lens of this through the prism of history and, and had a lot of fun doing it. But it's such a deliciously deep, complex subject in itself. I'm so glad we're discussing this today and Margaret's iconic depiction. So witches are a subject that has fascinated me for a long time. And as I've mentioned, when I decided to do a podcast or started thinking about a podcast, one of the ideas that I had was actually creating a podcast all about group hysteria and which the witch crazes were going to be one of the uh, first subjects. The amazing thing about witches and their place in pop culture, we have slashers, right? We have Jason and Freddy Krueger mm-hmm. and Michael Myers. We have a whole genre designed around that. We have zombies, not necessarily individual zombies, but we have movies that feed on one's fear of zombies. We don't have a rich tradition of movies, scary movies specifically, based on witches. Most witches in popular culture either are in children's stories, so The Wizard of Oz, perfect example, children's fairy tales. There are plenty of instances where witches are the protagonists in the movie. So you've got your Harry Potters, your craft, the witches Mm -hmm. of Eastwick. Although the, the craft did have one bad witch. But most of them were protagonists. We had the craft. We had Wishes of Eastwick, both of which were enormously popular, which both have a lot of fun with the idea of women, witches, and magical powers. So, and, and when you look at like Salem today, a lot of their tourism is around the popular impression of witches as something kind of fun and lighthearted. Right. For better, or for yeah. worse. And we also have a genre of witches that are played kind of for comic effect. And I'm thinking about like Hocus Pocus. But we don't mm-hmm. really have a lot of witches that are designed to scare people in popular media and popular culture, which is absolutely ironic because they are the one thing that for centuries people have actually been afraid of. Good point. And people yeah. continue to be afraid of witches. That's why mm-hmm. they banned that episode of Sesame Street, or at least partially why, because people mm-hmm. were calling saying, mm-hmm. oh, you can't depict witches like that. You can go to yeah. the 1980s satanic panic. That was stereotypical witch stuff. So I've always found it very interesting that we as a society don't really explore witches all that much. There are a handful of uh, movies that do it, like The Witch, but not that many. The Blair Witch Project is another one. But we don't have many iconic witches. But if you're going to talk about an iconic witch, this is the one to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. One thing about her, I mean, she is she's she's the wicked witch of the West, right? And at, and at some point, she owns her wickedness. But that's pretty late in the film, and I know we'll get to that. I always was riveted with the concept of was she wicked to start out with, or was this whole story from her? If we look at it through the lens of her character's development, a turning point which began with a tragedy for her. I mean, her sister was killed in a horrific, completely unexpected, sudden way, right? We are opening with her her raw tragedy right there. And I, I always 
felt for her about that and wondered how much was she already wicked and how much was this just her development through grief and vengeance and all the the poison that came out of all of that kind of loss and an inability to make it right. Yeah, that's that's a good point. And that's what the the book Wicked, which the play is based on, mm. really takes a sympathetic look at the Wicked Witch of the West uh, and tries to see her as the protagonist, which, spoiler, she may not be the protagonist of this movie, but I'm going to say that she is not the chief antagonist to this movie. We'll get there. But she is bad. She is evil. There is no getting around yeah. it, right? There's in yeah. this movie without she does question, things that are absolutely heinous. She's doing bad things, right? Yes. And and even who she's the the human entity which she sparks off of is a bad person, right? So we, yes. we do start off with that. Yes, absolutely. So without any further ado, why don't we start talking about the movie itself and find out, is it as scary as we think or even scarier? Childhood Fears Revisited. We'll be back after this. film starts out amazingly and it's again one of these things you don't notice until you watch it the movie starts out with an actual horror sound effect so they take no time in solidifying their horror film bona fides right out of the gate yeah, the minor chords of the music and then our woo-woo. Yep. So clearly they're trying to set the tone that they're, they're, this is not going to be your typical children's entertainment. There's going to be some scariness built into this on purpose. I would say that there are scary things that, they, that are built into this subliminally, right? But I think there's a lot of just overt horror in here. The first person uh, we meet is Dorothy, Dorothy and Toto. They are fleeing Miss Gulch. Let's talk about Miss Gulch. Miss Gulch is the stereotypical witch. She is a spinster. It gets referenced at one point that she owns a cat. Miss Gulch hit Toto right over the back with a rake just because she says he gets in her garden and chases her nasty old cat every day. 70. So... Wants to kill Toto. And she's older, like a crone. Yes. Back in the 1600s, she is the exact type of person that would have been accused of being a witch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting that they've built this character like this in the movie because Ms. Gulch is not in the book. And I didn't know this until I was researching really? for this podcast. She is an addition because, again, spoilers galore for anybody out there who hasn't seen The Wizard of Oz. In the movie, the Oz portion of the movie is essentially an extended dream sequence. And so what they did was 
they bookend that dream sequence with Dorothy's time in Kansas, where she met all of the characters in Oz, their analogies are met in the real world. So you've got Ms. Gulch, who is the Wicked Witch of the West. You've got the three farmhands who are the Scarecrow, the Tin Man, and the Cowardly Lion. You've got Professor Marvel, who is both analogous to and identical to the Wizard of Oz. And they wanted to build that structure so that you kind of felt what happened in the middle of the movie was truly a dream sequence. That was not the case in the original book, right? What happened in Oz actually happened in Oz. Oz was a real place. And so their decision to create Ms. Gulch for the movie was clearly based on the stereotypes of the old crone and fed into the popular image would yeah, be of so specific. one of those it's such a deliberate people. characterization they hit all the notes there so uh dorothy is running from ms gulch miss gulch has the the famous soundtrack she's riding the bicycle just like the wicked witch rides her broom her broom um in fact when she transforms into the wicked witch during the tornado sequence she's actually on the bicycle the bicycle morphs into a broom so very clearly set up for that purpose so at that point dorothy and toto make it back to the farm raise this issue with uncle henry and auntie m that ms gulch wants to kill toto at one point Auntie M mentions to Miss Gulch when Miss Gulch arrives at the farm that you may own half the county, but you don't own this farm. (laughs) So it really gives a sense that Ms. Gulch not only is that old crone, but she also has some power. She has property. She comes bearing a letter from the sheriff saying, you need to give me the dog. So Not only does she check all the boxes from a witch standpoint, but she's also powerful. Right. She's also got a modicum of power in this world. And she's part of the system, right? She didn't just demand it. She showed up with this charge from the sheriff. So she knew how to use the system. And so she wields this power to the point where even Uncle Henry and Annie M., have no choice but to bend to her will much like it appears that oz unwillingly bends to the will of the wicked witch of the west this of course causes dorothy to run away uh, where she meets up with professor marvel now professor marvel is an interesting character because he's very kindly uh wants to wants to help dorothy but He doesn't want to take advantage of her. He knows that she's running away. He knows that she's in trouble. But he uses his, let's call them charlatan powers, to send her back home, to send her back to her family, right? He kind of lies to Dorothy about the situation back at home. I would say that he's he's a lot more ethical than the Wizard of Oz is. Mm-hmm. I think the movie is trying to make that analogy uh, between Professor Marvel and the wizard both helping Dorothy. But 
there is a big distinction between how Professor Marvel helps her and how the wizard helps her. Dorothy then heads back home and we run into another very famous scary sequence, not of the supernatural variety, but of the natural variety. This is very Midwestern. It's in Kansas, so they have tornadoes, and this is what Dorothy comes home to. It's a twister! It's a twister! You and I both grew up in the Midwest. Yeah. Midwest-ish. Yeah. Fear of tornadoes, even though they weren't really in our area. But fear of tornadoes were a real thing oh, growing chief, up. Chief childhood fear, absolutely. We, you know, ch- every, every spring we were on high alert. Those tornadoes, watches would come, then the warnings would come, the tornado drills at school. So, yeah, if you're growing up in that climate, then this is a major part of your psyche. You know, I'm going to tell you, and, and I don't know if this is true or not. So why not say it on a podcast? (laughs) I have a theory about our tornado drills. As I mentioned, Kat, you and I grew up in sort of the Midwest. We grew up in Northeast Ohio. There aren't a lot of tornadoes around us. Tornadoes were really a Western Ohio thing and, you know, and even further West from that. So we didn't really have a lot of tornadoes. I wonder, we both grew up, we were both little kids in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Right. 70s, 80s. Mm-hmm. I wonder how many of those, quote unquote, tornado drills were actually nuclear attack. Oh, drills. wow. Good. Call. That they were just calling <laughs> tornado <laughs> drills. Goodness. Now, that's because, an interesting hey, side. You note. know what's you know, what's less scary than a nuclear weapon? A tornado. <laughs> I just wonder that I was because I guess they could have been technically tornado drills, but. I'm guessing that they, in the back of their mind, well, if the Ruskies ever decide to attack, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll be able to line the kids up against the wall. I mean, do they still do them? Do we know? I, well, they're too busy doing active shooter drills these days. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) They're like tornadoes, (laughs) nuclear weapons. Give me a break. (laughs) Okay. So putting a pin on that one. Okay. But we have, so now we have nature versus man. So we have nature versus man completely wins every time it's unstoppable right so the tornado hits the house dorothy is inside she gets lifted up into the stratosphere while she's up there she sees all kinds of visions out the window in the winds of the tornado one of which that i referenced earlier is the transformation of ms gulch to the wicked witch of the west Mm -hmm. it's the first time you see the wicked witch of the west and at that point, Dorothy crashes down to, to the ground, and we get this beautiful shot where she opens the door, and she leaves the black and white kind of sepia world behind and walks into this beautiful world of color that is Oz. Now, what's interesting about this, and this is just a little, little factoid I happen to know about the movie. The beginning of the movie was filmed in that sepia tone monochrome style, But when they do the shot where Dorothy steps into Oz and she opens the door to the house, Mm -hmm. 
the house and Dorothy are all in the sepia tone. And when you when they when you look through the door, it's all in color. Okay. They didn't have the technology to do that kind of matte effect. So everything in the house in that one shot is painted sepia tone. Yeah. Ah, so clever. her dress is her dress is literally sepia toned. The walls are literally painted sepia tones uh-huh. so that they could get that shot where she walks from the black and white into Oz. Ah, very cool. Which I always thought was a very clever way to go about it. Yeah, it's a lot easier than doing the other and hand painting all the colored stuff. Yeah, that's clever. So Dorothy lands in Oz, we find out, specifically Munchkinland, the Munchkinland area of Oz. She is greeted by Glinda. Glinda, who is the good witch of the North, mm-hmm. right? And she immediately mistakes Dorothy for a witch. Are you a good witch or a bad witch? Who, me? I'm not a witch at all. I'm Dorothy Gale from Kansas. Oh, well, is that the witch? Oh, Toto? Toto's my dog. <laughs> well, I'm a little muddled. The munchkins call me because a new witch has just dropped a house on the Wicked Witch of the East. And there's the house, and here you are, and that's all that's left of the Wicked Witch of the East. So this is the moment that you referred to earlier in the episode. The destruction, one might say the squishing, of the Wicked Witch of the East. Wow, that... If you if you took this speech, this introduction from Glenda, and you put it in a courtroom, that's a really accusatory introduction. You're not a witch. <laughs> really? Well, gee, I'm confused because I was told they're a witch who did the who who committed murder, and here you are, and here's the murder tool. You you tell me, right? I mean, there's, and there's wow. the, the literally a dead body. Yeah, I mean, this was not a greeting. This was you are in a crime scene. <laughs> right? She might as well. She might as well be putting tape around the Wicked <laughs> yeah. Witch of the East. Yeah, I, I mean, so we learn instantly that this is a magical world. We're not in Kansas anymore. Witches ha- are are a thing here. And they hold power and they do things. And anybody who does anything tremendous is assumed to be a witch. Mm-hmm. Right? Because she's obviously made the assumption that Dorothy is a witch. This is where we start to get my theory about this movie. Okay. I said earlier that the Wicked Witch is not the protagonist, but she is not the main antagonist. And my theory, and I will be discussing this as we go through. My theory is that the main antagonist of this whole movie is Glinda, the so-called self-proclaimed good witch of the North. (laughs) And what you just mentioned there is exactly correct because she immediately points the finger at Dorothy and says, whoa, I can't believe you just killed that witch. Mm -hmm. And you must be a witch if you did that. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Look at that. Look how dead she is to the point where they call the eventually they call the coroner to make sure she's dead. So Glinda has arrived. Glinda says, come out, come out wherever you are to the munchkins. The munchkins all come out and they celebrate because clearly the Wicked Witch of the East was a tyrant to them. And 
they're glad she's been vanquished. And this is where we get the first encounter with the Wicked Witch of the West. Who killed the Witch of the East? Was it you? No. No, it was an accident. I didn't mean to kill anybody. Well, my little pretty, I can call that the Wicked Witch of the West shows up and notes, and I will say correctly, that Dorothy has killed her sister. Mm-hmm. And you made an observation of earlier about how the Wicked Witch of the West doesn't recognize her own wickedness. But you also made the observation that she doesn't recognize her sister's wickedness either. Yeah, because she, she says my sister... The Witch of the East, she doesn't put a modifier in there. She does, She's not making a judgment on her sister. She's just saying she's the Witch of the East. Have you always assumed that the Wicked Witch of the East was dressed exactly like the Wicked Witch of the West? Ah, you know, that, yes. Hadn't I've always assumed it. that the Good Witch of the North and Good Witch of the South both, both dress like fairies, mm-hmm. and the Wicked Witch of the West and the Wicked Witch of the East both dress up like right. the Wicked Witch of the West. Right? Well, what logical leap, right? The the clan, the, the tartan of the clan, so to speak. They're, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. But we never see the Wicked Witch of the East. Right. All we see are her shoes. Right. Her shoes and her stockings. And those ruby slippers and the stockings, I don't think would necessarily mean that she wore a black gown over ah. Yeah, good point. So I wonder what the Wicked Witch of the East looked like, what she dressed like. Because maybe that's just what the Wicked Witch of the West or the Witch of the West dressed Mm -hmm. like. Maybe it's not inherently evil, Mm -hmm. right? Maybe not all bad witches wear that outfit. It's just what she wore. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it makes sense from a a fashion sense. I mean, she, she actually looks pretty flashy. Yes. Yes. She's got style. Those shoes are nice. And speaking of her shoes, let's talk about the shoes. Okay. And my second point around Glinda being the bad guy. Glinda steals the Witches Witch of the West shoes. Right. She's not right, when right I say she says I didn't say she stole the Wicked Witch of the East shoes. Because the Wicked Witch of the East is dead. That's her sister. By all accounts. Uh-huh. That's her sister. Those are her shoes. Right. Right. She steals those <laughs> shoes. Good point. And where does she put those shoes? She puts on those shoes on Dorothy. Murder, right? Yes. She puts those shoes on Dorothy. And we'll get back to this. We'll get back to this. But everybody put a pin on that. She puts these shoes on Dorothy. She didn't take the shoes for herself. She puts those shoes on Dorothy. Everybody just keep that in the back of your mind. The shoes go on to Dorothy. Uh, the Witch of the West is not happy at all. And now we, now we get the single most famous line in the whole movie. I'll get you, my pretty, and your little dog, too. <laughs> and just to add a little more loathsomeness to the w- Wicked Witch of the West, not only is she saying, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to kill your dog, too, just like Ms. Gulch did in mm-hmm. Kansas, even though I don't think Miss Gulch had it out for Dorothy specifically. Um, she had it out for Toto. Mm-hmm. You Either just way, don't get any she, she worse kill than, than that, right? I mean, oh yeah, not 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 just an innocent child, but the innocent child's dog. So at this point, Dorothy asks the 
good witch of the north, Glinda, hey, how do I get home from here? I just dropped out of the sky in that house, squished that witch. How do I get back? And Glinda says, I have no idea how to get you back. The only person that would possibly know that know that would be the great and powerful wizard of Oz. And to do that, she has to follow the yellow brick road. And so Dorothy does that and she leaves Munchkinland. And one thing I will note before she leaves Munchkinland, when the witch is there, the good witch says explicitly that the wicked witch has no power in ah. Munchkinland has no power in Munchkinland. So she is helpless. Right. So all she can do is threaten Dorothy while she's in Munchkinland. But right. now Dorothy ain't in Munchkinland anymore. Right? She ain't in Kansas and she ain't in Munchkinland. So she is heading down so the yellow brick road. Put these shoes onto her and then sent her out of her protected space. Correct. Knowing she is a mark. At this point, knowing full well, she is a mark knowing, knowing that the Wicked Witch of the West wants those shoes at all costs. This is already so much more of a horror show than ever imagined. And we're not even out of Munchkinland yet. Dorothy leaves Munchkinland via the Yellow Brick Road. Uh, and she she meets the Scarecrow. Mm -hmm. Uh what did you did you have any misgivings as a child about the scarecrow, the tin man or the cowardly lion? Oh, now see, for me the the scarecrow was my kindred spirit. I always I always related to the scarecrow. If I was going to do this play, I was going to play the scarecrow. So no, I always had total total trust in the scarecrow. The tin man, ah, he's a little eh, he's a little soft. He's a little boring. Um, the Cowardly Lion was just, geez, 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 just a, didn't have any patience for this guy at all. So didn't have any really misgivings about all of them, all, any of them, although the Tin Man was just a little odd. So I will say that the, they did a very good job with the makeup for the, the three, the three companions. Uh-huh. Her cohort, the, the as it were. Right. Yeah, the Scarecrow, the the Tin Man, and the Cowardly Lion. But if you see other versions of the Wizard of Oz, the Scarecrow tends to be absolutely horrifying. Mm. There is a 1910 version of the Wizard of Oz that you can find on YouTube. It's yes. a silent version. I watched that. Oh, you did? Yes. Um, quite this, a different picture. It is quite a different picture. It's very short. I think it's about 16 minutes long. The effects are a little less convincing than in the 1939 movie. All of the animals, like the cowardly lion, are literally just people in lion outfits crawling on all fours, and you can see their back legs. So that's kind of disturbing. Honest, honestly, it is. It's a, it's a, it's creepy, is what it is. It's much scarier yes. than these than these characters are. <laughs> Whether yeah, that we could was do, intentional we could do, or not, <laughs> we could do an entire episode just on the level of creepiness in like old timey yeah. costumes and because you see photographs of like kids with the Easter bunny in the 1930s <laughs> or <laughs> or kids with Santa in the you know 1910s all of those outfits are just appallingly awful and enough to elicit nightmares for generations yeah fortunately 
they were able, I think, to really balance things in this version of The Wizard of Oz to make those three that have a very, very high probability of being mm, creepy right. to making them really lovable characters oh, and that's really such a good point really unscary yeah uh, if that's a word in, uh, innocuous you're right they're yes. more they're more on the level of of dorothy's stuffed animals or her toys right that's exactly right and they could have gone the other way and you can watch versions of the wizard of oz that were made after this right you can watch because there have been other Wizard of Oz movies or uh, right. uh, L. Frank Baum movies Send made ups, after like this. Like the Wiz, right? Yeah, exactly. But you know, so they, so filmmakers had been making version of these characters long after this, and none of them are anywhere near as well, obviously, as well done as the 1939 version. But they don't, they don't bridge that gap between cute and scary very well with the, with the characters Good point. Um, there there there's some there's some creeptastic stuff in there <laughs> so dorothy meets the scarecrow and the tin man uh, along the way and has a brief encounter with the witch the first time she has an encounter with the witch outside of munchkin land you call that long why you just begun Helping the little lady along, are you, my fine gentleman? Well, stay away from her, or I'll stuff a mattress with you. And you, I use you for a behind. Here, Scarecrow, want to play ball? <laughs> Awful moments. And they actually riff on that in the Sesame Street episode. She says to Big Bird, I'll make a feather duster out of you. Mm. And I forget there was one other person she insulted and said she was going to make something out of him. But I do remember specifically that Big Bird was going to be made into a feather duster. So that's kind of her go-to. So there's one companion left, and that's the Cowardly Lion. So we reach a scary forest where Dorothy and her companions meet the Cowardly Lion. Mostly lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. Lions and tigers and bears. Lions and tigers and bears. Oh my! 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 Lions and tigers and bears. What I find interesting about this is when we look at it from the standpoint of things that scare children, this movie just hits every note. It's got witches, it's got kidnappings, it's got tornadoes, it's got lions and tigers and bears, it's got ghosts. You name something that causes children to have nightmares. Yeah. And yeah. it is in this film. Gosh, you're right. I mean, the the the, for, the, the haunted forest, the, the flying monkeys, all of it. There's a reason why... When you talk to people about this movie, about the parts that scare them, people usually just don't have one answer. There's lots of things that scared and traumatized children. So we meet the cowardly lion. I'll note that it's odd that a cowardly lion would live in a scary forest. Um, <laughs> if I was a cowardly lion, I would go live in Munchkin Land. Or maybe he's afraid of the munchkins. Well, he's probably af af afraid to leave, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I I'll tell you, if... if uh, 
if any of the stories about the making of this movie are true, he should have been afraid of the munchies. But anyway, <laughs> we won't go into that. That's a whole um, other kettle of worms. That is a whole other kettle of worms. That's a whole other horror story in and of itself <laughs> that we'll save for another day. But now we get the first look at the witch's castle and the flying monkeys. This is a beautiful set. It's very gray and drab within the castle itself. The, the backdrop are mountains, so her castle is apparently way up in the mountains. The one thing that I find interesting in the castle is all of the stuff that she has is oversized. She has a large crystal ball, a large hourglass, a large throne. Everything is exaggerated. Mm -hmm. And that exaggeration, I think, is designed to make it very off-putting, very alien to anybody watching the film. Right. And I think that's something that people would think, well, yeah, a witch would have a huge crystal ball. Mm Mm-hmm. Her hourglass would be gigantic. Because they're the real deal, right? If we have them, they're our our size. And here we meet a character that I did not know until researching this, is a named character in the film. And that is Nico, the general of the Flying Monkeys. Yeah, Nico. I thought this was very interesting. So Nico was played by an actor named Patrick Walsh. He was a vaudevillian. He specialized in playing monkeys and apes on the stage. Makes perfect sense. That's why he's so convincing. So cool. Again, more great makeup design uh, by Jack Don, who is the head makeup artist for this film, uh, designed all of the, all of Dorothy's companions, designed the flying monkeys. Nico has no spoken lines. It's all gestures, but he emotes quite a bit. And here is, for me, the factoid of the podcast that I did not know, and I didn't believe it when I read it, but when I went and rewatched the movie, I saw it is absolutely true, and it puts an extra layer of villainy onto the Wicked Witch of the West. Nico's wings are cut. Yeah, wow. All of the other flying monkeys have fully developed wings wings you know they look like eagles wings nico does not his have been chopped down he can't fly that is nico is a prisoner wow just like everybody else in the wicked witch's orbit Mm -hmm. we find later on that the guards that she employs Mm -hmm. are all prisoners right that's why they say hail dorothy so she not only is trying to enslave people outside her orbit, but the people inside her orbit are already slaves. What a great pull. I did not realize that at the time either, but it makes sense. He was always right there in the castle. And she kept him there. So when when the Wicked Witch eventually dies, you see Nico applaud he's happy he's free all of these people who have been held against their will by the wicked witch of the west are suddenly free so there's a whole element of free will and slavery put into this which is an element that i hadn't considered before doing some doing some heavy research on and and can we just talk about the flying monkeys for a moment i mean let's talk about the flying (laughs) monkeys because you said earlier Water cooler discussion. 
the flying monkeys are often the main uh, the main focus when it comes to yeah. fear, particularly with adult men. Just in my own conversations about this leading up to this podcast, that seemed to be a common theme, which completely makes sense. Because first of all, we have we have the idea of the advanced primate who is who is a threat in itself. Okay, this has been explored. Thank you, Planet of the Apes. We have established that this taps into a primal fear of humans in itself. And then we have that they're not only are they stronger and and have been given power, they're they're an, an organized militant army, right? But also they can fly. So they have a whole nother uh avenue of attack. So they're superior there. Do you remember the story of the in the news of the farmer who lost his his ostrich ranch he lost most of his ostriches when the hot air balloon came over his ranch it tapped into their little bitty reptilian brain and they all they in mass made a run for it away from this flying huge ominous thing and and met their death going over a cliff so um it things things in the sky have their own power to be scary so they they they've got that and they're organized and now we have nico check out his nobody has quite the costume that he does costume uniform he's a general so we expect that he's going to present a little more uh prodigiously than the rest but his his outfit is actually the um it's like the grown-up version or the kind of the bastardized version of the of that little monkey figure who in this time of our history the organ grinder monkey Uh, would have been outside with the guy playing the accordion or cranking up the music and he was going around with for money, right? With the little hat, the little monkey was dancing. That's basically what his bellhopish outfit is. But here he is, oversized, powerful, a general. So that in itself, we don't see too many organ grinder movies in mainstream culture today, but we already have a vaudevillian. So we're talking about the the adults in the audience there. Are, tap, are are from that area, but I can bet you they had a much more uh, pertinent context for the organ grinder monkey than we could than we do today. So just just that in itself had to have been a fear inducing element if you're making this as a horror movie. But you know, I I hadn't thought about that, but I think that's spot on. I think in 1939. Anybody watching this, anybody seeing this film would put that together, would say, oh, he's an organ grinder monkey. Uh, And they are purposefully doing the bidding of their master. They just dance to their master's tune. And that's what Nico does. And he's an ape after all, right? I mean, he's... He is an ape after all. He's beyond a monkey. and the and the thing about Nico, well, I think he's he's a monkey. I mean, he's he's got a tail, so he's oh, okay. but yeah, so he is he is a monkey. 
But the other thing that I think is a little would is a little off putting about Nico mm-hmm. and about the flying monkeys in general. Uh-huh. It's the concept of the uncanny valley. Uh, don't know if you're familiar no. with What's that. that. What's the uncanny valley? So the uncanny valley is the principle that when you create something that looks realistic, oftentimes you don't get quite to the point of realism. And if you are right under that point, it gets creepy. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So when you think about computer-generated movies, yeah. right? If you ever watch a movie where humans are generated digitally, uh-huh. uh, you, I think about like a lot like the um, – uh, Steven Spielberg has made a lot. Of, Robert Zemeckis made some of them. Uh, yeah, well, the BFG and oh, uh, Polar Express. Polar, is that's the I was trying to remember the name. Yeah, Polar which Express, which is much more known, known, <laughs> recognized now for exactly what you're saying Correct. than than anything of its own intention. Correct. It is. It is Uncanny Valley, the movie. Right. It's where they try to create something realistic but don't quite make it okay. and it causes sort of a revulsion. Yeah, all right. And I think the flying monkeys have that mm-hmm. because the the makeup is really good, but it ain't that good. Mm-hmm. Right? So I think there is an uncanny valley aspect to the flying monkeys, which I think is what causes a lot of the creep okay, factor. Good point. Yeah. Beyond just the fact that they're flying monkeys, but flying monkeys in and of themselves, pretty terrifying, mm-hmm. especially if they're out to attack you and disembowel you, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Mm-hmm. So Dorothy and her companions are heading on into Oz. The wicked witch of the West is looking to stop them. And what does she do? She turns to magic potions. Mm-hmm. In this case, poppies. Nah, yeah. Now, my beauty, something with poison in it, I think. With poison in it, but attractive to the eye and soothing to the smell. <laughs> poppies. Poppies will put them to So I am sure that it is not a coincidence that in 1939, or if it's in the book, I don't know if it's in the book or not, but at least in the movie version, I'm sure it's not a coincidence that the Wicked Witch of the West is using poppies, aka opium, opium. yeah, totally, to drug Dorothy and 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 her team. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that's something that parents would understand if they were watching this, uh-huh. that this was an allegory for the evils of drugs. There's got to be a reason why they, why they picked that, but, but I'm, sure that's, I'm sure that plays a, plays a role. Yeah, I'm sure you're right. The team gets put to sleep, not in the permanent sense like, you know, the witch wanted to do to Toto, mm-hmm. literally get put to sleep. So at this point, Glinda does the one thing in the entire movie that's helpful, and that is wake up the team by making it snow Mm -hmm. in the poppy field. The team then moves on directly to Oz, and the Wicked Witch of the West flies to Emerald City to meet them and warn them of what's coming. The Emerald City is faster than lightning! 
she flies to Oz, or I'm sorry, to the Emerald City, and Skywrites with her broom surrender Dorothy and scares the hell out of everybody. Mm-hmm. That allows Dorothy and her team the opportunity to go meet the wizard. So the next character we're going to meet is the actual Wizard of Oz himself. This is the first introduction. And when they meet him, he is as scary as the witch. I am Oz, the great and powerful. Who are you? Who are you? This was completely scary to see as a child. So you had mentioned that this was one of the points for you that caused you some issues. Tell me about it. So it it just, it all, it all works. It totally works. I remember distinctly watching this movie in our living room and that moment coming on and just having the, wow, this is one of the scariest movies I've ever seen this moment right now. It just totally worked. It was, and it's one of the things that was meant to work, right? Because it's a contrivance. Like the Wicked Witch of the West, she is not contriving anything about her persona, right? Absolutely. <laughs> but he's all about it, and he puts on a good show. And it, it, at least it worked on, on me as a child. You've got the large disembodied head, mm-hmm. very grotesque looking. I mean, it's the Emerald City. But he's green, just like the Wicked Witch is, right. right? So conjures that image in one's head. You've got fire. You've got smoke. You've got the big, booming Those voice. billowing sounds, yeah. Bellowing. Yes. Designed to really intimidate them. And as you said, we as we find out later on in the movie, this is totally an artifice. There, There is nothing behind it. The wizard himself is a complete charlatan but he is intentionally trying to scare them. They meet the the wizard. They make their requests. Dorothy wants to go home. Scarecrow wants a brain. Tin Man wants a heart. Cowardly Lion wants courage. The wizard agrees to grant them their wishes, but with a caveat. What did you say? First, you must prove yourselves worthy by performing a very small task. Bring me the broomstick of the Witch of the West. But but, but, but if we do that, we'll have to kill her to get it. Bring me her broomstick, and I'll grant your requests. Now go. But what if she kills us first? I said go! Let's talk about this moment yeah. and what the wizard has just done to Dorothy. As we will find out, the wizard is a charlatan, and he actually has no ability to grant those requests. Mm-hmm. This adult has essentially sent Dorothy and her friends out on a murder-suicide mission. Yeah, wow. You need to bring me the broomstick of the Wicked Witch of the West. The Tin Man, I believe, states that, but we'd have to kill her to do that. Clearly, the wizard knows that and does not care that they'd have to kill her in order to do that. But he is sending them on this mission knowing full well, again, if they fulfill their end of the bargain, 
he can't fulfill the end of his end so of the bargain. So the only thing that he's, his only aim here, his only gain here is putting out an assassination hit. Knowing that once the witch is dead, who cares, right? <laughs> I can just tell him, oh, sorry, make up some bullshit excuse, which is exactly what he does. But on the other hand, Dorothy goes out and gets murdered. Okay. He doesn't know these people. What does he care? <laughs> completely Machiavellian. <laughs> but still not as bad as who I believe is the main antagonist. And we'll get to that a little later as well. So the wizard has completely taken advantage of Dorothy. Completely taken advantage of Dorothy. And Dorothy, not knowing any better, agrees to his terms. And she and her team get kitted up and head out to the haunted forest this is another part that is straight up horror movie the haunted forest looks like it was built out of the findings in a spirit halloween <laughs> right you've got owls and vultures with halloween decoration eyes you've got these beautiful trees these beautiful creepy looking trees with faces in them mm -hmm. there is a literal sign on the in the haunted forest that says hey welcome to the haunted forest i'd turn back if i were you at this point the tin man says hey get your act together there's nothing to be afraid of he then gets grabbed by ghosts lifted into the air and dropped Mm. And, it, and then we get the Cowardly Lion's famous response. I do believe in spooks. I do believe in spooks. I do. I do. I do. I do. I do. I do believe in spooks. I do believe in spooks. I do. I do. I do. I do. I do. I do. Now, I think you made a good observation about this in a previous conversation we had about the difference between the Cowardly Lion's response to the existence of ghosts and the Tin Man's skepticism. So this is, the Cowardly Lion wants to survive, right? And he knows what is necessary here. It's, it's to admit that power. It's to, it's to subjugate yourself and acknowledge the identity of your oppressor. That's the system. He knows that they are in it. Chips are down. They have nothing here but to admit that power, that master over him. And he does it. He's going to, this is his only card to play. And it's, it's born out of fear because fear comes from a, a real place here and real knowledge of this system. So, you know, like an abused kitty, we don't know what he's gone through to be the way that he is, but obviously it comes up here because he knows which card to play on how to survive. That's, I think, exactly right. And it would be, it would be really interesting. And, and I'll tell you, I, I haven't read the, the books, but I think it would be interesting to understand the backstory of the Cowardly Lion. Yeah. Because clearly he's traumatized. Right. This isn't, this isn't born of just his genetic makeup. Yeah. He something has happened in the Cowardly Lion's life that has got him to the point where he's afraid of everything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the way he manages it is to basically placate because it's clear that the Tin Man insulted the ghosts by saying, oh, yeah, you guys aren't real. And they were, well, really? Yeah. Yeah. You're going to say I'm not, not real here. Let me show you. And he was like, hey, 
Cowardly Lions. Yep, you're real. You're the real deal, baby. Yep. So while Dorothy and team are in the haunted forest, the witch is spying on them and she sends out the flying monkey army to go get them. Your army to the haunted forest and bring me that girl and her dog. Do what you like with the others, but I want her alive and unharmed. They'll give you no trouble, I promise you that. I've sent a little insect on ahead to take the place of them. <laughs> take special care of those ruby slippers. I want those most of all. Now fly! Fly! <laughs> The air assault. Yes. And we can hear those, I I don't know what to call it, howls or chirping, whatever that sound is. Might might even be a theremin. Yes, that the the flying monkeys are making. It is such an intimidating sound Uh and and it drives home the number of them. Yeah. That there are just a lot of them out there. You are seeing what's in the window Good point. but you know totally. in the back of your mind there are many 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 more of them they confront dorothy and crew in the haunted forest and i alluded to this earlier disembowel the scarecrow oh that is so horrific i mean if you took i mean i know happens, i know he's a scarecrow but they still tear right, him apart right if this is a horror movie if you take this into with with human beings and you what they just did to the Tin Man, and what they're doing to this scarecrow, how how horrific is this entire scene to be putting yes. before a child's eyes? A child knows, in a child's mind, there's no difference between the sentient, articulate scarecrow and the Tin Man and a human yes. being. This disembowelment yes. is real. It's it's horror, baby. And even though it's straw, it's graphic. Yep. Right? They're it throwing is. them it's all graphic. they're throwing body parts all over right. the place. But aside from the evisceration of the scarecrow, who, by the way, kids, survives. Yep. Because he is a scarecrow. <laughs> the other horrifying part of this, which is a huge traumatizing aspect of the film, and I think a lot of children's literature, I'm thinking more along the lines of fairy tales and stuff. Dorothy and Toto get kidnapped. Yeah. Right. Which you don't get much more primal fear than kidnapping. Right. And being held captive. Even to this day, there uh, uh, there was a new movie out called, I think, The Black Phone just came out a few weeks ago. I haven't seen it, but it's supposed to be one of the best horror movies of the last uh, couple of years. It's about a kid who's been kidnapped. It is absolutely fundamental to the human experience to not want to be separated from your loved ones. Yes. Because that's where your security is. That's where your comfort is. And to be ripped away from that is horrifying. And not only is it horrifying to be kidnapped, but the way Dorothy is treated by the witch once she's kidnapped makes it all the worse. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about how the Wicked Witch of the West treats Dorothy when she gets to the castle. So the first thing the witch does is threatens to kill Toto. What are you going to do with my dog? Give him back to me. All in good time, my little pretty. All in good time. 
Oh, please give me back my dog. Certainly, certainly. When you give me those slippers. But the good witch of the north told me not to. Very well. Throw that basket in the river and drown him. No, no, no. Here, you can have your own slippers, but give me back Toto. That's the good little girl. Do what you want to the girl, but leave me alone. Okay, sometimes when you watch a movie like this, a children's movie, or any movie, the threats are insinuated. Mm -hmm. They are implied. <laughs> that is not the case here. <laughs> this is so overt. This is just flat out, <laughs> go drown her dog. Reminder, folks, this is a kid's movie, right? Go drown her dog. Good Lord. Here, you evil flying monkey, go drown her dog. <laughs> And and she has the visual, right? Because he takes him. Yes! He takes him away. Yes! God. Says, go kill this kid's dog. I, I, it boggled my mind. When I watched this again, I was like, I'm trying to put myself in the headspace of me as a child because there was never a point in time when this movie wasn't in my consciousness. Mm -hmm. Back before there was video or on demand, The Wizard of Oz was on once a year. It was like a Sunday night. Everybody sat around, and you just watched The Wizard of Oz. It was just what you did. I can't imagine it wasn't the highest rated thing on television all, in most right. years, right? Probably probably rivaled the Super Bowl. Everybody watched yeah, The Wizard of Oz that absolutely. night. Absolutely. Um, to the point where even when I watch The Wizard of Oz today, uh, on demand or on Blu-ray or DVD, I still remember where all the commercial breaks were, <laughs> right? So I always remember that after the first encounter with the Wizard of Oz, when they, uh, when the uh, Cowardly Lion gets scared and runs and jumps through the window, always a commercial break right yeah. after that. I always remember that, right? So there, was, there has never been a point in my life where the Wizard of Oz hasn't been part of it. And I'm trying to think back to when I was a little kid, and you probably remember this, we had a dog named Scruffy. Yeah, I remember that Scruffy. Looked, that, that looked like he Toto. He totally did. A little taller, but yeah. Right? A little taller, but still a terrier looked like uh -huh. Toto. And I'm trying to think of how horrifying must it have been for little Patrick. Oh, my God. To, to be sitting next to Scruffy, like holding Scruffy, and having the wizard or the, the witch... Say to her evil flying monkey yeah. henchman, here, go drown this Absolutely. dog. Kid, I, kids I, movie, folks. Family film. Kids movie. Family film. Okay. So she's kidnapped. She's had her dog threatened. How you know what? What if you're a wicked witch? How do you ratchet Could it, it up? Could it get any worse than this? Could it get any worse? Oh, sure. How about I just threatened to kill you? Those slippers will never come off. As long as you're alive. But that's not what's worrying me. It's how to do it. These things must be done delicately. Or you hurt the stem. I can't get the slippers off of you while you're still alive. So I gotta kill you. But I gotta kill you slow. <laughs> I gotta do it delicately. I'm definitely gonna do it. That's not even in question. The question is just how I choose. It's n not even a question of whether she's going to do it it's just how am i going to do it 
And then, like she's a Bond villain, <laughs> she takes the big hourglass and turns it over and says, when this hourglass runs out, I'm going to murder you. You've got this long to think about it. Vivid memory. Remember that hourglass. Yep. Yep. She's kidnapped her. She's threatened her dog's life. She's told her she's going to murder her. She's told, given her time to think about it. How could she be even more villainous? And this brings me to the part that traumatized me. This was the part that scared me more than anything. And it's the anti-M, anti-M crystal ball scene. Now, this is a moment of wanton cruelty on behalf of the Wicked Witch of the wow. West that, for me, sent chills down my spine. Dorothy is trapped in this castle. All hope is lost. She's going to be murdered. She calls out for her Auntie M. Auntie M appears in the crystal ball. Dorothy has a moment, a rush of hope. That's what she's been looking for. She wants hope that she will get out of that situation. And then it turns out that it's all just a trick by the Wicked Witch of the West. So she can mock her and go, Auntie M, Auntie M, I'll give you Auntie M. Right, she has nothing to gain here. It's just a, it abuse is cruelty. for itself. Like you said, it's cruelty. It is absolute abuse for its own sake. It has nothing to do with her trying to get the slippers off, the, right. off yeah, of her feet. yeah. The other things you can at least say, right, threatening Toto's life, killing her. All right. You can at very least say that that helps her achieve her goals. She doesn't have to mock her. She doesn't have to be that. Right. For me, that is the ultimate point of cruelty and evilness for the Wicked Witch of You're the West. Absolutely right. And uh, you put such a fine point on it that really hadn't been so clear to me but but it certainly is now and at the very end of that scene when the witch appears in the crystal ball she breaks the fourth wall at a certain point she stares right into the camera if you if you haven't watch it yeah, again i don't she remember that looks she looks straight into the camera at the end of that as if to say i'm not only talking to her i'm that talking that is to you. a stroke of Mad, evil, cinematic genius right there. She's talking to children. She's talking to their... Yes. She's talking to their adults. So she's talking to the, the, uh, the children's audience, letting them know that their parents also have no power to protect you against her. And essentially, she's right, because they're encouraging you to watch this. So clearly, they don't appreciate the danger good, at good stake point. here for children. For children with dogs and loved ones. <laughs> okay, so Dorothy is in very dire straits. She is going to die as soon as the timer runs out. The good news, though, 
Toto has yes. escaped. And Toto. Toto, Toto has found Dorothy's companions. And they are about to launch into a rescue operation. They hide in the mountain and they run into the famous guards that I believe, are they called the Winkies? I, I think that's the name of the guards. I think the guards have an actual name, that, okay. but it's these guys. The guards, who we will find out, just like everybody else, is enslaved to the Wicked Witch, must be some of her people because they are green as well. They're not a green yeah, people yeah, in this right. movie. Yeah. But fortunately, the, the companions are able to overpower some of the guards and get into the witch's castle by an act of subterfuge. Which is pretty impressive, uh, I gotta say. Which is pretty impressive, but it is scary in there, and to highlight that they actually play night on bald mountain kind of one of your stereotypical horror pieces of classical music they get dorothy and a chase ensues throughout the castle with dorothy and her team versus the witch and her team she's got guards she's got flying monkeys and they're all chasing after them to the point where the witch and her forces have the team surrounded the witch cannot do this without making an evil speech Another point of cruelty, mm. right? It's not just that I'm going to mm. kill you. I'm going to traumatize you beforehand <laughs> watching all your friends and your dog right. die. I mean, that's that's the oldest villain deed in in our minds mythologies i i mean right i mean that's as bad as bad gets i'm gonna kill you i'm gonna I, well i'm gonna kill your family in front of you i'm gonna kill your wife your children so that you can suffer that way then i'm gonna kill you but she's also motivated by revenge absolutely so she does have a revenge motive right. which would make sense if someone dropped a right. house on my brother I think I would be more than a little yeah. upset. I mean, honestly, you could you could really follow that line of thinking and and come up with all of these heinous attitudes and deeds and connecting those dots would be logical. I mean, we don't see her connecting with any other family members or doing any sorts of nope. mourning or having a, an opportunity for burial. I mean, there's literally nothing because, because why? Because those slippers got put onto this being and she has to follow that carrot. That's all she's got going right now. Because she's powerless back in Munchkin City, right? So apparently she can't take the yep. house off and get sister's remains back and, and take care of them. So this is all she's got is revenge to deal with the death of this sister. And maybe, did you ever see John Wick? Oh, yeah, all three. Maybe the witch is just John <laughs> Wick. The shoes, the witch is John Wick. The shoes are the puppy, <laughs> right? Because John Wick in the first movie kills all those uh -huh. people because they killed the dog. But it's not really because they uh -huh. killed the dog. It's because the dog was a gift from his yeah. wife. Yeah, yeah. Right? And that dog 
was a was a living connection yeah. to his wife. Yeah. Now I'm sure he's not happy that the dog died, but it's also what the dog represented. Right. And so maybe that's the way the witch views the views the ruby slippers. I think that's a that it's not just about I think power, very but it's apt, about her sister. Very apt comparison. I think there's a lot to that. Yeah. So and how much more of a powerful motivator could there be for whatever direction it's going to go? It's going bad. It's going wicked. Yeah. But man, she is probably on lit. Like she has never been yes. lit in her existence right now. And it is bad. So she's probably got some bloodlust and justifiably so. But, and we'll get to this real soon, it ain't Dorothy's fault. Dorothy's surrounded. The witch decides, hey, you know what would be fun? Setting the scarecrow on fire. The poor, the poor scarecrow, he's really got to think about his anatomy yeah. because it is very, very rendable very and combustible. Vulnerable. Yeah. It's funny that you said he has to think about it. That's exactly where you went. Exactly. He does have to think about it. So Dorothy picks up a bucket of water to put him out and we get the ending of The Witch. Hey, that's a pretty horrific moment too, right? And in, in our memory. Yeah, she does. She doesn't die no. pretty. It, it isn't a oh, I'm dead. This was graphic. This was the complete opposite of what we came in on this story for. We signed up for it's done. Choose house. We're moving on. And wow, what's at the other end of this road? Holy crap! An incredibly graphic, compelling searing into your mind demise uh, on a supernatural level that nobody can ever forget. Let's do a little thought experiment. She throws water on the witch, which raises the question, why would the witch have a big bucket of water sitting <laughs> in her castle? But that's neither here nor there. But you'd think she'd have that under right. Well, it's probably for, for the monkey to drink, but go ahead. Well, exactly. Well, I guess the monkey does get through. So here's the question. What does is, what is the witch drink? Yeah. Well, blood probably, right? She's got to be dehydrated a lot. (laughs) Well, that's why she's green. (laughs) That's why she's green and cranky. So she's also, she's very itchy. Here's the thing, though. And just talking about perspective. And think about how we would view the end of this movie differently if one single detail was changed. And that is, let's pretend... Everything in that last scene was exactly the same as it was, except for instead of there being water in that bucket, there was acid oh, in that wow. bucket. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. What a, what an interesting this movie would be. This movie would it be would. rated R. It would. It right? would. It would be. It would, it would be the exact same thing would have happened. You could change nothing. If if all they did was if all she did was throw a bucket of acid, if they said that what was in that bucket yeah. was acid instead of water, 
This movie would have never seen the light right. of day. It would have had no difference on the film, would have had no difference on the special right. effects. It, because it was filled, it was depicted that horrifyingly. So the witch melts away, and oh, and you highlighted this uh, previously. The only time she admits right. that she's wicked. She says, who would have thought that a good little girl like you could have destroyed my beautiful, beautiful wickedness? Wicked. So she not only acknowledges her wickedness, but she sees it as a positive because, mm. you know, she would. Her minions gather around her. It's clear that they are happy she's dead. Nico applauds. All of the guards kneel down and say, hail Dorothy and give right. her the but broomstick. But we have to have that final moment of of a horror fe film feature here where we're all holding our breath about what the next step is with those guards for a moment, right? Yes, because they could very well be mad and rip them to shreds. There is a little bit of a hesitation about, oh, shit, what well, are the guards well going to do here? Yes, it is very, very well done yep. and intentional. Yep. So the guards give Dorothy the broomstick and she heads back to Oz where some chickens are coming home <laughs> to roost because... My guess is that the wizard never expected to see her alive again. <laughs> You're probably absolutely right. Never expected to see her probably alive hadn't again. Probably thought about her at all. <laughs> hadn't even thought, hadn't thought about them since they left the gates of the Emerald City. Like, well, she's dead. <laughs> they go back and immediately Toto reveals that the wizard is not this powerful oh. disembodied head with the smoke and, and fire and whatever. You, it's simply you gotta Professor hand it to Toto, man. He has just taken the brunt of this literally from the beginning, and he has come through twice, twice here. He went yeah. and found the cohort. Yeah, he saved Dorothy, yep. found her uh, crew, revealed the wizard as being a fraud. So good Toto. Know, right? Because your dog knows. Yep, Toto, yeah, good very boy, good Toto. boy. But, you know, we get the pay no attention to the man behind the curtain mm -hmm. line. Now we're at the point where the wizard is, or Professor Marvel, but we'll call him the wizard because we're in Oz right now, uh, realizes, uh-oh, I better come up with some bullshit real quick in order to fulfill it's my end of the bargain. And comes up with this idea of, oh, yeah, uh, oh, uh, Scarecrow, you just need a diploma. Here's something, you know, a diploma from the University of Phoenix. There you go. That you're, You've got a brain now. Tin Man, you've, uh, here, here's a pocket watch. That looks good. Cowardly Lion, uh, here's a, let me dig out some old metal that probably is from my right? little exactly. league Exactly. These are career. things that he has right there. He's doing on the spur of the moment. In, in a truck. why is this? Because he is a con man. He has been a con man. 100 his existence in oz he didn't just somehow get stranded in oz and sir and eke out a survival he subjugated the entire system became the leader okay i i have to do a departure here and just bear with me on this but in the light of today's events i see such a a disgusting parallel with him and with everything, the story of what Dorothy, the young, innocent female, is going through, and with Glenda taking her on to introducing her, leading her to this charlatan Wizard of Oz with the whole Epstein scandal. Because this is exactly the same kind of villain that we see in our modern day 
real life horror stories. So it's tapping into something so primal, so deep, because these things happen to literally the young, innocent girls, right? Dorothy never gets the chance to mature. She's always going to be frozen in time as that innocent. Glenda tricks her, puts her directly in front of this guy who knows the system, has used the system so adeptly that he's now a leader within it. He holds uncanny amounts of, of power just from sheer intimidation and con man and using people. And that's what he did. He used her. He tricked her. He said, here's something that you want. I will grant it. All of you, I will grant your wishes, which exactly what Epstein used to do. Jimmy Savile, Jimmy will fix it. He grants your wishes. It's what super predators do. And that's what he did. And he sent them on their way, but now they're back. But he, he is his own nature. He's going to do what he's going to do. Con, con man's going to con. Gonna con, exactly. And that's what he does. That's exactly, you're exactly right. That, that was his fallback position. Oh, you know what the only solution to having your bullshit called out is? More bullshit. <laughs> and it works. There's nobody there yep. who calls him on it, is there? No, no. He just seems to walk off right off into the sunset, like almost literally yeah. right off into the sunset. Let's talk about villain one. Right. The ultimate villain in this entire endeavor, and that is Glinda, the self-proclaimed good da, da, witch da. of the North. This is the moment that we really understand Glinda's villainy in this entire uh, in this entire endeavor. Absolutely love your thought, your your dive on this. You go, Professor Marvel slash the Wizard hops in the hot air balloon, supposedly to take him and Dorothy back to Kansas. Mm-hmm. Toto runs off and Dorothy gets out and Professor Marvel flies away. He says, goodbye, goodbye. He doesn't even try to stop. He's just like, okay, he's I'm out. Boom. boom, he's out. And, and he is peace. He pieces <laughs> out. Everybody's gone. Um, now, in his defense, he does leave the Scarecrow in charge. So the Scarecrow does get a promotion out of the deal. But, uh, but now Dorothy is stranded. How does she get back home? Well, here comes Glinda the good witch of the North. And she's going to tell Dorothy how she's going to get home. And this is her explanation. Will you help me? Can you help me? You don't need to be helped any longer. You've always had the power to go back to Kansas. I have. Then why didn't you tell her before? Because she wouldn't have believed me. She had to learn it for herself. What have you learned, Dorothy? What have you learned? You've learned nothing of value. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about the absolute awfulness of what has just happened. This is so messed up. So let's let's rewind the tape all the way back to Munchkinland. Glinda shows up, as you noted, clearly points the finger at Dorothy as the murderer of the Wicked Witch of the East. The Wicked Witch of the West shows up. Glinda could very well have put the ruby slippers on herself, right? But she didn't. She put the ruby slippers on Dorothy. We establish in Munchkinland that Dorothy is safe in Munchkinland. Mm -hmm. 
As Glinda states to the Wicked Witch, you have no power here, so go away. Dorothy then asks Glinda, well, how do I get home? And Glinda says, well, I have no idea. You're going to have to go speak to the Wizard of Oz <laughs> because he's going to show you the yeah. way. Dorothy then leaves. Dorothy has been sent out of the safe confines of Munchkinland with those shoes on her that Glinda knows, A, has put a bullseye on her for, with, the, uh, with the Wicked Witch, mm-hmm. and B, can't come off of her feet while she is still alive. Oh, man. So she knows full well that she has sent Dorothy on a journey that will end in the death of either Dorothy or the witch. Man. She knows that Dorothy is in mortal danger and sends her out into the world. Dorothy fights everybody, bum, bum, bum. You know, the whole thing happens. We get to Oz. The wizard lies to Dorothy. Uh, Dorothy goes back out. Dorothy ends up miraculously killing the witch. And then she gets back to Oz. The wizard can't fulfill her can't fulfill her request. And Glinda shows up and says, Oh, you've been able to go home this entire time. What? You've been able to go home this entire time. As we all know, she has to click her heels together three times and say, No place, there's no place like home, there's no place like home, there's no place like home. So let's put this together. Dorothy could have gone home the moment Glinda showed up <laughs> in Munchkinland. But Glinda used her mm-hmm. as both bait and an assassin yeah. for the Wicked Witch of the West. Yes. Knowing that one of the two of them were going to die and probably didn't care which one, hoped it would be the witch, mm-hmm. Didn't probably didn't care if it was Dorothy. I can't imagine the ruby slippers were actually all that powerful, right? It seemed like the witch had a lot of power anyway. Yeah, she was doing pretty good on her own. And, it, and, and honestly, if, the, if Glinda was really concerned about the, the power of those slippers, or those slippers were really anything to be uh, concerned about, Glinda would have put those slippers on herself. <laughs> and would have just kept them. Good point. Right? They went but no, with her she knew she essentially had an heirloom that the witch wanted and sent them off into Thunderdome. Mm-hmm. And then when Dorothy gets to Oz, Glinda says to her, you could have always gone home, but I didn't tell you because you wouldn't have believed me. What? What? <laughs> what? I'm in freaking munchkin land. I don't believe any of this. If you would have told me, hey, click your heels together three times and say, there's no place like home. There's five words. There's no place like home. Five words. <laughs> It would have taken me eight seconds to test out that hypothesis that that would get me home. It really is a mind-boggling There's no place defense. like home. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. See, right there. What she did was- What was there with, to believe? What she did was withhold operator's instructions yes. for technology is what yes. she did. Yes. She withheld information. Yes. Cynically used Dorothy to kill her enemies. And that's why I believe that Glinda is the worst person in Oz. The <laughs> wizard is the second worst person in Oz. And in coming in third, even though she's a murderous villain, 
I would still put The Wicked Witch of the West at number three because at least she's straightforward in her evilness. Right. She doesn't stab you in the back. She comes right up. You know where you stand with The Wicked Witch of the West. Yep. Yep. Her beautiful wickedness. Her beautiful wickedness. You know she's bad. You know what her mode you know what her motivations are. You know she's gonna try to kill you. These other two, they were just using you. And that was the analogy that you used. It's all about using somebody and and a yeah. young girl. Yeah. And how you... old is Dorothy in this movie? Twelve or thirteen? I think Judy Garland was maybe thirteen when this was made, possibly fourteen. Yeah. And but she's arguably, still young. Arguably dressed and depicted as even younger than that. possibly totally used by the adults around her that should have known better should have had her interest at heart yep but they didn't they only cared about themselves adults who were using and abusing the system of power for their own nefarious aims dorothy then uses the ruby slippers like she always could And wakes up in her own bed, surrounded by her friends, proclaims that there's no place like home. And the one piece that no one ever thinks about in this is that there's still a death sentence on Toto, even when she goes back. (laughs) That's right. There is. (laughs) Yeah. So I I want that that sequel where uh, where Toto goes on the the lam. Right, because that's actually filed with the sheriff's office, even if exactly right. This isn't just... (laughs) Yeah, this wasn't just Ms. Gulch just showing up. She actually has legal paperwork. <laughs> good point. Good point. That would that would be the sequel, right? Toto on the lamb. Oh, well, it's in the 1930s, so she probably he probably would have hit the rails, become a hobo, or or maybe we maybe would have uh, gone on the run with like uh, John Dillinger or Bonnie and Clyde. He's yeah. wily. He is clever. It would have been worth watching. That ends our. Discussion and analysis of The Wizard of Oz. So, Kat, with all of that being said, The Wizard of Oz, less scary, more scary, or about the same scary as you remember it? Oh, so much more scary. So much more scary. Good heavens. Looking at this now as an adult, the, the, the idea that this was ever shown to children with acceptance that this was some kind of innocuous inane children's movie seems like a huge dupe. Yeah. There's some, there's some heinous things in this movie when you really pay attention to it. And no wonder all those, all those parents were frightened of having the wicked witch on Sesame street. Okay. So not everybody was duped by that point. Who knows? She could have tried to drown big bird. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, all right. Well, want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, we will be back with another episode. Until then, remember to stay scared, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, everybody. Copyright 2022, Patrick Dobbins and Kat Ricker.